Hello, it's Friday, April 16th. I'm Daniel Williams, and this is the MGMA Week in Review, where each week we bring you some of the most important, interesting, and inspiring stories happening in healthcare leadership and medical practices today. This week, we begin with an article from statnews.com, CDC Advisory Panel Delays Decision on Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 Vaccine. This article was written by Helen Branswell. The U.S. government's recommended pause on use of the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine is unlikely to be lifted for at least another week or 10 days after a committee of independent experts declined Wednesday to vote on whether use of the vaccine should resume. The Food and Drug Administration and the Centers for Disease Prevention and Control urged states to stop using the J&J vaccine on Tuesday to seek advice from the expert panel on some rare but serious clotting problems seen in a small number of people who received the vaccine. So far, six cases have been identified, and J&J officials indicated a possible seventh that's currently being investigated. One person has died. Many members of the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices said they felt they had too little information to be able to estimate the benefits and risks of the vaccine or to recommend its use to be restricted to people in certain age groups. Beth Bell, a global health professor at the University of Washington, who is chair of the committee's COVID vaccine work group, said that, to be very frank, I do not want to vote on this issue today. I do not want to vote not to recommend the vaccine. I think that it's not really something I necessarily believe, but I do not feel that we have enough information to make an evidence-based decision. While most voting members of the committee, which advises the CDC, appeared to support extending the pause, some warned that inaction will have serious consequences for the effort to vaccinate people against COVID, both in the United States and beyond. The decision to recommend that states stop using the J&J vaccine came after scientists monitoring a reporting system for adverse events following vaccination spotted what appeared to be a signal of a rare but serious problem experienced by some people who got the J&J vaccine. The illnesses all occurred in women, though one man in the clinical trials of J&J's vaccine also experienced these symptoms. The women were all aged 18 to 48. Within a week or two of being vaccinated with the J&J vaccine, these women developed serious blood clots. In announcing the decision to pause use of the vaccine, Peter Marks, the director of the FDA's Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research, noted that there was a serious need to inform healthcare providers of the possibility that patients seeking care might be suffering from blood clots. The normal course of treatment, a blood thinner called heparin, would actually be dangerous to use in these patients. A similar problem has been seen with AstraZeneca's COVID vaccine, 
which led to a temporary pause of its use in some countries. Most now have resumed using the vaccine, but many have limited its use to older adults. If you want to become a bigger part of the vaccine story and help educate and get shots in arms, go to mgma.com slash let docs give shots to learn more about vaccines and why physician practices are uniquely situated to identify, reach out to, and vaccinate patients in their communities. Our next article today comes from mgma.com, putting consumers at the center of your physician practices contactless payment strategy. This article was written by Deirdre Ruddle, Chief Marketing Officer of Instamed. In the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, crucial lessons can be learned from every facet of the global economy. Every industry was significantly impacted, but none as fundamentally as healthcare. Emergency rooms and ICUs filled with sick patients, while routine tests, visits, and procedures all but ceased for several months during the pandemic's first wave. Telehealth visits skyrocketed, as did contactless channels for consumers to connect with healthcare providers, including online payments. While telehealth visits have declined since their peak early in the pandemic, contactless communications show no signs of slowing down and represent a way to improve the patient experience and help providers collect more money from patients at a lower cost. Consumer demand for and acceptance of contactless, often digital experiences, have been increasing for years, but 2020 proved a watershed when the importance of capturing rising demand was fully realized. Most consumers want these digital options to continue after the pandemic ends, including telehealth, online check-in, digital payments, and electronic communications. According to the Instamed Consumer Healthcare Payments Survey of 2020, 78% want contactless payments after the pandemic, and 85% prefer an electronic payment method for medical bills. For providers, electronic and contactless options are no longer just nice to have, they're a necessity to compete with other providers, to gain a larger market share, to participate in interoperative health initiatives, and to meet consumer demands. When healthcare delivers digital innovation, consumers take advantage of it. More than half of providers changed their contactless payment strategies in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, and 36% of providers adopted contactless payments for patient connections, such as online payments. This is according to the Instamed Provider Healthcare Payment Survey 2020. Such measures are shown to save practices time and effort. While medical practices of all sizes can benefit from contactless visits and payments, practices with 15 or fewer physicians saw the greatest growth in contactless payment channels for 2020, including payment plans and online payments. Both payment channels allow organizations to increase collections with minimal staff involvement and fewer resources, such as paper statements. Even before the pandemic, 
the efficiency of contactless payments attracted smaller organizations that needed to increase cash flow without incurring additional costs. Analysts from the Instamed Data Network shows that smaller organizations saw a 55% increase in online payments and a 64% increase in payment plans, even when non-essential services were closed. In conclusion, Ruddle writes, one key lesson from the pandemic has been renewed awareness of the opportunities for innovation from the exam room to the back office as telehealth and other contactless connections saw incredible and sustained adoption. All stakeholders in healthcare should prioritize these trends that create opportunities for future growth, such as streamlined payment options to accelerate recovery. To dig deeper into these trends, the full Trends and Healthcare Payments Annual Report is available online at instamed.com slash trends. I'll leave you today with an article from MGMA Stat. This article was written by Christian Green. A component of the new normal is virtual work. Whether medical practices have had to focus on addressing cybersecurity with remote staff, designing long-term practice recovery plans, or reassessing space needs in preparation for staff and providers fully returning, they have been steadfast in meeting the challenges presented by the COVID-19 pandemic. During the past year, many practice leaders explored flexible work options for staff and providers, including setting up work from home policies, Deciding whether to continue offering remote work opportunities to providers and staff is a challenge in an industry in which the traditional in-person provider-patient interaction has been essential. Non-patient-facing positions, such as medical billers, coders, and other administrative positions often have the option of working remotely, but there are many factors to evaluate, the most important of which is trust. As David Chow, Chief Information Officer, Harris Health System, told Becker's Health IT regarding his organization's philosophy on teleworking, we trust our employees and measure them based on their work output versus the need to see them physically. If leaders feel the need to see the employee in person to manage the work effort, then in my opinion, the leader should have not hired the employee. For some groups, this philosophy carries over to their entire organization as they consider remote medicine and a virtual workplace. This work is part of our digital transformation and strategy of having flexible walls for our patients, improving patient satisfaction, providing quality outcomes while lowering cost, and addressing provider burnout, said Raymond Lowe, Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer of Altamed. There are many potential advantages to work from home arrangements. Chief among them are reducing overhead costs, retaining skilled employees and attracting a larger talent pool, improving performance and productivity, which may result in more engaged workforces, and providing alternative and sometimes more convenient care options for patients. Collaboration and communication are often the cornerstone 
to ensuring that employees flourish in this environment. Keep up with the latest industry news by subscribing to the MGMA Insights Newsletter at mgma.com slash insights newsletter. And if you want to become part of the healthcare discussion, you can join the MGMA stat panel by texting STAT to 33550. If you have a healthcare story you want to share with us, email us at podcast at mgma.com. This has been the MGMA Week in Review. I'm Daniel Williams. Thanks and have a great weekend.